Hey, uh, you guys are blessed because you are going to be hearing from Brandon again this week. I was telling him earlier that in my nearly 10 years of being the pastor here, I don't think I've ever had somebody call me and say, look, I think I need to preach for you for two weeks and not just one. So definitely a blessing for me. And I definitely have never had anybody call me from the hospital where his wife was at to tell me that. So, uh, yeah, just I really appreciated the sermon last Sunday. I think it really helps us. It really has helped us to see why we do what we do here on Sunday mornings. And we're going to learn more about that because we don't want people just coming here and not really understanding, well, why, why are we doing what we're doing? So mm-hmm. I say you give him another warm welcome. Thank you, Shane. As he mentioned, I have never done this before, uh, given two messages in a row. And if there was, if it was completely up to me, there's no way I would be doing this. Most of you who know, I'm very introverted, and I'm like, uh, I'm a self preserver. And so I always feel like I'm going to run out of energy and like run out of life. And so this was no way that I would ever have just thought, hey, this would be a great idea. This was, this was a, a firm nudge from the spirit. And so I'm, I'm honored to be here and to be able to do this. I want to thank you guys for praying for Haley. She passed the kidney stone. Praise God. All glory to him. That was huge. That was huge. We went to Chick-fil-A to celebrate. It's like the best place in the world to celebrate. After she passed a kidney stone, she probably developed another one from the fried chicken. But anyways, ALCF, as mentioned last week, we exist to express our gratitude to Christ for who he is and what he has done for us. And so last week, we started tangibly looking at how do we do that during a Sunday morning service. And here's what we came up with. And Haley's back in action. Look, we got a PowerPoint. Praise God. We express our gratitude to God at ALCF as we worship God through song with our minds, with our hearts, and with our actions together. And again, we're specifically talking about the singing portion of the service. And so last week we talked about through song, with our minds, and with our hearts. And uh, we talked about how God made music to glorify him. And so we can use it to help us better connect with him and connect with the words that we sing. We also talked about how it helps us to imitate Jesus more fully and to grow in him as we lay down our preference for his people to the glory of his praise, just like Jesus did. And we talked about the importance of the words that we sing and how crucial it is that they be biblical and theologically accurate since we're going to be singing them a lot and they're going to be stuck in our minds for years. We also talked about with our minds how we can allow the truth that we sing to speak over the lies that we believe about God, the lies that we believe about ourselves, and to also speak over our circumstances and some of the doubts or some of the thoughts that we might have with some of the difficult circumstances that we go through. We can allow the truth of God, such as you are good, you are good, you're never going to let me down. We can allow that truth to speak over our lives and our circumstances. We talked about with our hearts and how when you feel gratitude in your heart, give it a mic and let it sing. When you don't, let it sing quietly to God by yourself. We don't want to hear your, your ingrat, and no, I'm just kidding. Um, but still express that. Still express that to God. Bring your heart to God. Bring your baggage with you throughout the week. Don't leave it at home. 
And we talked about how it's often hard to praise God in, in, in the midst of certain circumstances that we're going through, and that's okay. We don't always have to praise him out of gratitude. Sometimes we praise him out of obedience, and God often turns duty into delight. I'm so grateful for that. Lastly, then, last week we mentioned how it is important to pray as you praise. Praise you feel led by the Spirit, maybe over your circumstances, over somebody standing next to you or across the room, uh, or simply pray and just let God hear your heart. So pray as you praise. And before we continue to, to dive into this, uh, for this week, I want to emphasize again that I sense from God that he wanted you to know, wanted us to know why we're talking about this and that it's about more than just singing. So I believe that God wants us to really understand this uh, for, for your father, for him, for your family, your brothers and sisters in Christ, and for your fuller freedom. So keep that in mind as we move forward. This week we'll be diving into with our actions and together. And I know like last week there was a lot of information and there's going to be a lot more this week. So I apologize. I'm probably going to talk really fast. Again, all I want you to do is just allow the Spirit to maybe illuminate one or two things that he might be wanting to tell you this morning. And try to, um, try to remember that and try to apply that. So first, let's start with our actions. The natural progression for us as humans is head, heart, hands. Even on a psychological, physiological level, unless we're reacting to something very extremely or very suddenly, we generally start with thoughts. And those thoughts generally cause those emotions, and those emotions cause body responses. For example, I'm so ready for this weekend. That's a thought. The feeling you would get from that is probably excitement. In your body response, it might be a sensation of like warmth, or you might be a little jittery. I get jittery when I'm excited for some reason. Or you might have the thought before a tense meeting with somebody from work, this is going to be terrible. That thought is probably going to cause worry and anxiety. And the body response is probably going to be an increased heart rate, tight chest, sweating. I'm actually starting to feel it right now because I have this thought often, unfortunately. So it's both natural and healthy for our bodies to respond to what we're feeling and thinking. What is not healthy or not natural is to suppress what your body responses are, or just shove those emotions down. Have any of you ever tried to hold back tears before? Raise your hand. It is painful. It actually hurts your body physically. It's because it's not healthy for you. We might have to do it at times, so we might need to, um, to stay strong in certain situations, and it may be necessary. But in general, if you're experiencing an emotion that would provoke tears, it's healthy to let yourself cry. I believe that God created us holistically and intentionally made it so that each and every aspect of our beings affects the others, the mental, the spiritual, the physical, the emotional. It all affects the others. We were never meant to be disconnected, but as a result of the fall, we are disconnected from ourselves and from each other. But it wasn't original design. And if we think as disciples of Christ that we can just focus on one area, we are missing out. And that is not what God intended for us. I know sometimes we may hone in or focus on one over the other, but they're all important. So as it pertains to worship as we sing, we need to allow our bodies to respond to the emotion that we are experiencing, and we need to use our actions to do it. So 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20 says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. 
not just your hearts, not just your minds. Romans 12.1 then says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So this is where physical expression comes in. So what are some of the ways that God has uh, commanded us or asked us to worship with our bodies as evidenced in the Psalms? I actually want us to be able to practice some of these this morning. This is going to be kind of more of an interactive sermon. I know, I get it. It's okay. But some people are kinesthetic learners, and that's okay. And so if you're also, if you're listening to this online later, I encourage you to do this as well at your home. It won't be as weird, probably. So first one is singing. This is the first and primary physical expression of worship as mentioned in the Psalms. God gave you a voice, and it may not be beautiful. It may be off pitch. It may be off key or just straight off, but that's okay. Like, I'm the one leading you, and I am often off pitch and off key and just straight off. So it's okay. God loves your voice, and he wants to hear. He doesn't say sing to the Lord with a beautiful voice. He says sing to the Lord. And that doesn't mean you're, you're never able to just simply stand or soak in what's going on or some of the words that we're singing or what's happening. But you should also realize that God wants to hear your voice. I believe God is greatly honored when you leverage your voice for his praise. And I believe that God loves any voice that comes with a heart of gratitude. We're not going to sing right now because I think you get that and we do that so often. We just did it. Um, But I want to move on to the next one. Uh, Clapping. Clapping is in the Psalms. And we're going to do this together. So all I want you to do is just clap with me. All right, stop. Good job. You guys can do it. That was awesome. That was awesome. What's the most common thing that we clap for? It's applause. It's applause, right? When we're at sporting events or plays or musicals or concerts, the event ends, and we clap for applause because the ones performing, they earned it most of the time. Sometimes we give that pity clap, like even if your team lost by 40, you're like, yeah, you guys rock. Woo. Listen, God has earned our applause. Just by being God, and furthermore, has he not earned our applause in his faithful son's death on the cross? So when we sing songs and when we end songs, I want you to feel free to clap if you want to clap. We're not doing it for the musicians, and we're not doing it for the person giving the message. It's for the God that we serve. And how about raising from the dead for a performance? All right, we can clap. All right, we can clap. Clapping can be planned or spontaneous, so planned clapping is when you clap on beat, kind of like what we were doing and what we do with a song like King of My Heart, where you're never gonna let, never gonna let me, right? It helps to build some anticipation, helps to build some excitement, and it's also, you're kind of joining in with the instruments when you clap. Realize that? You're joining in with us as, as you clap. Clapping can also be spontaneous, like when we sing powerful lines, such as, in death was arrested. But then Jesus arose with our freedom in hand. You can clap at that, yeah. You can clap at that. Or in resurrecting when we sing, our God has robbed the grave. You can clap at that. I'm in Easter mode, by the way, just in case you can't tell. I almost can't help but clap when I sing words like that and really reflect on those truths and how those truths affect me. Or in uh, It Is Well With My Soul, my favorite, sing when we, or my favorite uh, hymn when we sing, my sin not in part but the whole is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. 
Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. You can clap for that. Yes. That was awkward. <laughs> and that was actually a little later, but I actually wanted to mention that because honestly, sometimes at ALCF, our clapping is a little awkward. Sometimes I feel like we, we don't feel free to clap. I want you to know that God has given you permission to clap. Brandon doesn't give permission to anybody. God has given you permission to clap. So if you want to clap, you can clap. Clapping is also done in out of agreement when it's spontaneous. So really you're saying, yes, God. Yes, pastor. Yes, music team. I agree with what you're saying. I agree that God is good. I agree that he's never going to let me down. So really when you're clapping, you're clapping out of agreement. All right? So... Um, if you feel like clapping, please clap, but please clap on, on beat. <laughs> if you are going to clap, kind of the, the plan, uh, clapping. I, I love my brother Ron. He always keeps this on beat. I love it. Um, but don't look to him to start it because he's not always going to be here, right? Bowing. Bowing is the next one. Why don't you just go ahead and, and bow your head for just a few seconds um, with me. this you can look up what does this posture express to God from our souls and to our souls yeah reverence right that we are lowly and low sometimes it can signify confession or feeling sorrow or being sorry about something feelings of guilt even think about when a child has done something wrong and is confronted about it if the child feels bad right there bowing the head right so you can maybe use it for that when you need to confess something to God or when you have guilt that's hanging over you. You can, you can bow your head. We bow to pray. Lifting hands is the next one. Go ahead and put your palms out like this with me for a few seconds. What does this body posture communicate to God and to our souls? That we're ready to receive openness that we're listening, what do we do when a child runs up to us, right? Go ahead and raise a hand or both hands. That's beautiful. This is a beautiful picture. What does that communicate to God and to our souls? Praise, honor, glory be to him, surrender. You can put your hands down. So we can sing words like, so I'll stand. With arms high and heart abandoned. And raise our hands in surrender and gratefulness to the one who gave it all. When we sing the blessing over our children, what do we do? We extend our arm. We stretch out our hands toward them. Why? It's a way of extending our love and our blessing over them. It's often the same thing if we pray for somebody. We can extend our hand. It's a physical expression of it. Our, we were meant to be connected. But do it for God as well. Pour out your love and pour out your blessing on him. Next one is kneeling. If you're able, um, I actually want you to, to kneel with me. And you can kind of turn around at your seat if you want, or you can just kneel where you are. So if you're able, I realize there's some that might be difficult, but go ahead and just kneel with me. You guys will never forget this. <laughs> Notice and feel 
what emotions it, it may evoke or express as you kneel for just a few seconds in silence. And you can even bow your head as well. What does this posture express from and to our souls and to God? And why did James in the Bible kneel? He kneeled so much to pray that they called him camel knees. Why? Because kneeling is a posture of surrender. It's a posture of humility. It's a posture of meekness. So you can use this maybe when you need to give up. When you've had enough of your sin in an area of your life and you want to surrender it, kneel before him and offer it up. Maybe it's a reflective song like we talked about last week with with music and words that reflect on our sinful nature and our need for a savior. And maybe we sing words like, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. Kneeling can also reflect our position before a holy, glorious God as it can remind us who we are before him. And we can offer our rightful king the praise that he deserves as we kneel before him. So now I want you to kneel and raise your hands. And you can declare something like, You are perfect in all of your ways. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. Or, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Or, how about this? You have no rival. You have no equal. Go ahead and stand. Or, sit, sorry. I'll stand. Thank you for doing that. I appreciate that. Yeah. Praise God. Praise God. That's a good clap. I apologize. The next one, actually, I'm not going to apologize because it's in here. It's dancing. I know. I know. Some of you are like, man, that's really in the Bible. Come on, God. All right, everyone up for just a minute if you're able. Again, only if you're able. Only if you're able. Now, we're not going to whip a nay-nay. But we got to do something here. And in order to prevent any injuries, please make sure that you and your neighbor have some space. Watch the elbows. Uh, Dancing is powerful. And dancing is uncomfortable. And dancing is scary. And for that reason, dancing is freeing. And dancing is awesome. Now listen, I'm self-conscious about my dancing abilities. I can do certain moves here and there, but give me a choreographed dance to learn. I will be the last one to get it down if I even get it down. It's terrible, but I love dancing. I love dancing, and I realized that some of the most fun I've ever had dancing is when I didn't worry about what other people were thinking of me. So even if it's just something as simple as swaying back and forth, just go ahead and sway with me. I'm a, I'm a fan of the sway because it allows me to move. It's movement. This room feel, seems alive right now, right? All right, now just stand still. As still as you can. It's a little weird, isn't it? It's a little bizarre. So even when we move and when we dance, it can posture our hearts in, in life because we are alive, right? All right, now what I want us to do is a one-two-step clap. So just right here. 
This is very common in the gospel church, right? You'll see this every Sunday if you go. Look at the life in this room. That is awesome. All right, you can go ahead and stop. Go ahead and sit down. Give yourselves a hand. That was awesome. I personally enjoy fist bumping like this because it, it helps me own the truth that I'm singing about. Oh, we're free, free, forever we're free. Come join the song of all the redeemed, right? So what emotions does dancing express and evoke? What does this communicate to God and to our souls? Excitement, freedom, life, joy. I see a lot of smiles right now. We can smile when you come here on Sunday mornings. It's fun, passion. Listen, Jesus is fun, guys. Jesus knew how to have fun more than anyone in the world. He walked on water. He walked through walls. He healed people on the spot. He, like, rose from the grave. I mean, that's some fun stuff. Jesus knew how to have fun. So shouldn't we have fun as well as we follow him? I think we should. Think about the most common times, though, that we dance. Weddings. Weddings. There's some embarrassing footage of me dancing at my wedding um, that I hope never gets out to ALCF. Why do we dance at weddings? It's to celebrate. We're excited and joyful over what, just, what we saw just occur. God made two flesh into one. Do we have a wedding to celebrate? Do we have a marriage to celebrate? Absolutely. Christ and his bride, the church, us. We have so many reasons to celebrate. So you can dance when we sing lyrics in, like in great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. Right? You can, you can dance. Or like we said, with, with, we're free, free, forever we're free. Come join the song of all the redeemed. So you can use dancing to express yourself and to express joy. Next one, shouts of praise. And that's right, we're going to give it a try. So on a count of three, um, I want you to shout hallelujah. And hallelujah just means uh, praise God and is used to express rejoicing. So on, on three, hallelujah. One, two, three. Hallelujah. Amen. What does this communicate to God, both from our souls and to our souls? Gratitude, gratefulness, excitement, joy, spontaneity. Like if you're going to be spontaneous, you should be spontaneous for God. So you can shout out praise through expressions of joy or excitement or gratitude. Maybe when we sing words like, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Or like, while I was a slave to sin, Jesus died for me. Yes, he died for me. So you can shout out, amen. Or at the end of the song, when we're enjoying the victory and the triumph that God has given us, you can shout. Why do we shout in our society? What do we shout for? Sporting events, concerts, performances. Think about it. Let's give God our highest shouts of praise. I believe he wants those directly reserved for him, and I believe that's biblical. Next one is standing in awe. Not just standing still like we were earlier. Something extra to it. This is when God so moves you that you just can't help but stand still. You have no, 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 nothing else to do. Like in the song, I can only imagine... When we finally see Jesus face to face, we don't know what we're going to do. One of them might be standing in awe. 
So we can do this to help um, to just emphasize the reverence and awe of who God is and what he's done. A couple that aren't necessarily mentioned in the Psalms, but can also be ways of expressing yourself um, are the following. So falling on your face. In the first official church service in the tabernacle, um, God's glory appeared, and the congregation of the Israelites, it says they shouted, shouts of praise, and fell on their faces because God's glory appeared. Do we not have God's glory living inside of us through the Holy Spirit? How about smiling and laughing? You can enjoy your Savior when you come here on Sunday mornings. We have every reason to celebrate. So those are some of the physical expressions. Now, I want you to know not all these expressions have to be present every time we gather together, but they should be present sometimes here on Sunday mornings when we gather. And here's the question that we need to ask ourselves. Is there a type of physical expression that God has given us in Scripture that I've never displayed? And if so, why? Or that I don't often display, and if so, why? Is there a type of physical expression God has given us in Scripture that I've never displayed? And if so, why? Our worship is not complete, and we are further and further from God's ideal worshiper the more and more we ignore our thoughts, suppress our emotions, and restrict our physical expression in worship on Sunday mornings here at ALCF. God desires and wants your whole heart and your full obedience. And listen, I realize that some of these things may be uncomfortable for some of you to do, but that's no excuse. It's okay. It's all right that it's uncomfortable, but it's no excuse. God desires your discomfort. And I know that doesn't sound pretty or appealing or popular, but God does desire you to be uncomfortable until the uncomfortable becomes comfortable and until the abnormal becomes the norm, until the upside-down ways of the kingdom become your lifestyle, which will actually help you to see right side up. He desires you to be vulnerable before him in worship. That's what he desires. And it won't be uncomfortable to lift your hands or to kneel forever, but it may be at first, and that's okay. This is for your fuller freedom. This is for your full surrender. So when God gives us commands to do things, that's one of the reasons deeper let it. It's not because he's a killjoy. It's actually because he wants your joy. He wants you to experience a deeper level of vulnerability in his presence and dependence on him, and you will find freedom there. So I want to encourage you not to rob yourself of something that Jesus already robbed the grave for, which is your freedom and the fullness of life and joy. And I want to be clear that physical or that worship is not about physical responsiveness or physical expression. It's about God. It's about the gospel. And I never want you to simply express yourself physically just to do it or to be ingenuine with it. It needs to be genuine. Um, God even told the Israelites at one point that their hearts were far from him. Listen to this in Isaiah 29, 13. Therefore the Lord said, Inasmuch as these people draw near with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the commandment of men. In other words, they were faking it. They were just legalistically following rules. And God hates that. Isaiah 1.15, God again is talking to the Israelites, when you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. So here, physical expressiveness and worship actually offended God. He didn't want it. So it needs to be genuine. It needs to not be a show for others or for God. It needs to be genuine. And there needs to be a balance between the internal 
and the external. So what's going on inside of us and what's going on outside of us, our hearts and our minds and then in our actions. And here's something to help with this. Ask God's Spirit to help you answer, or to help you as you answer these three questions um, that you can ask yourself. Who is God and what has he done? That's one question. Who is God and what has he done? How does that affect my soul? Who is God and what has he done? How does that affect my soul or my heart? And how can I express that to him? How can I express that to him? On another end of the spectrum, um, maybe you've uh, maybe you've asked those first three questions and you're not experiencing a sense of gratitude. And in fact, you might be feeling ungrateful to God or upset with God. I want you to know that God wants that struggle just as bad as he wants your gratitude. And maybe you have a difficult time telling him for some reason. Maybe you have a difficult time expressing yourself to God. You can use actions to do it. You can bow in order to allow yourself to become in a humble posture before God so you can hear better from him and express, your, express yourself better. Maybe you can raise your hands to, to, fa- to try to get, gain a step closer towards surrender. You put yourself in a posture to allow yourself to hear from God. This is for your father, and this is for your fuller freedom. We must also come in reverence and awe with a healthy fear of God in our hearts. His glory is no joke, and he does not want us to forget that. And some people so greatly emphasize, emphasize the, the, the respect and the sense of awe that we should have in our worship and in our physical responsiveness, um, or that our physical responsiveness is non-existent. And then there's some people on the other end where you may be, um, again, not genuinely doing it and just physically responsive or maybe um, no regard uh, for others or, or for God. And you may find struggle to find the balance of what's going on internally and externally, and that's okay. Um, that's why, again, we need the Spirit to help us. But I love what Bob Coughlin has to say on this. If I had no other choices... I'd rather be sitting in the midst of a quiet congregation singing rich doctrinal truths than jumping around with a lively congregation belting out shallow, man-centered songs. But God never intended for us to have to choose. We are to pursue theological depth and passionate expression. And the thing that really frustrates me is that those are disconnected often. Our, theologi- our theology, which is the study of God, which is just us getting to know God more, that should never be disconnected from our actions. That should, we should always allow that to affect our hearts and not just become, up, become puffed up with head knowledge. And I realize that no amount of physical expression will ever be enough to give God the glory that he's due. But that's why we're to be obedient in this area, because he's worthy of it all. He's worthy of every fiber of our beings. Bob Coughlin says our bodies naturally respond to what affects our souls. Our bodies naturally respond to what affects our souls. And so that's why I spent a lot of part, a large part of the last message and when I shared in November talking about how has God affected our souls. Look, if we're not physically responsive, I don't believe the issue is that God has not moved us. I believe the issue is that we're not allowing the gospel to sink in on a deep level and that we're not seeing God accurately. And listen, I realize most of the time when we hold back physical expression, it's probably due to fear of what others may think of us. And if that's you, I want you to know that our physical expression to God should be based on his worthiness and not some reputation that we're trying to uphold. 
This is for your father. This is for your God. Erwin McManus said, your freedom is on the other side of your fears. If your fear is to raise your hands or to express yourself to God in a congregation like this for fear of what others will think of you, your fuller freedom is on the other side of that physical expression. I truly believe that. And our worship does not need to look the same from person to person. Some are just naturally going to be more physically expressive than others, and that's okay. But just like with our faith, our worship from one week should not look the same to our worship the next week, or from one year to the next year, or from 10 years. We should be striving to grow closer and closer with Jesus and worship him more fully, both internally and externally. So we worship God through song, with our mind, about music, hearts, and with our actions, together. Super excited about this. So one of the cool things about music that I didn't mention before is it helps us to express our unity in the gospel. In the Bible, the majority of references to singing reference corporate singing together. And it's great to do it alone. By all means, I would encourage that, but it is better together. And that's how God created it. Just like when we clapped earlier, what would it have been like if we just had one person clapping? There's power when we do things together. And this is also part of why we don't want to blast you away with the volume level, although we, we may accidentally do it sometimes. Sometimes we, we, uh, the music team has a joke that there's a ghost that comes in here and messes with all the sound stuff. But we don't want to blast you away with the volume level, um, like at concerts and things like that. And that's okay, and that that's, uh, can be warranted at times. But as a whole, we want you to be able to hear each other sing. This was meant to be done together. Ephesians 5.19 mentions about speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Psalm 22.22 says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. In the assembly, I will sing your praises. That's why we sing, name above all names. You are worthy of all praise. That actually, if you think about that song, you're actually talking to your brothers and sisters in Christ. You're talking to them. You're saying, how great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. So you're actually declaring that to them. You're speaking truth over them. We were always meant to sing God's praises together. I remember years ago when my mentor uh, KP and I first met, and we would be worshiping through song in church services or at different places. I would often look over at KP, and I would see him looking around at everybody else. And I always thought to myself, wow, that's really strange. Isn't he supposed to be focused on God? You think he would know that. This is what I thought. I soon realized after watching him some more and seeing him smiling and talking about this over and over again about how awesome it was to see everyone singing together and praising God that I realized he was probably more focused on God than I ever was. So this is why closing your eyes when you worship is something you have to be careful about. Closing your eyes can be helpful. It can allow you to focus on God more fully and to tune out what may may be distracting uh, around you at times. If you need a moment with just you and God, um, this can be helpful. If you need to surrender your self-conscious thoughts about what others think about you, this this can help to provide that for you. And I do this as well. But if you only ever close your eyes, you're missing out on seeing your brothers and your sisters in Christ worship their God. And you're missing out on a piece of heaven. You see, I realized that KP was worshiping in a different way through using his brothers and sisters in Christ as a springboard to worship. I talked about last week how a springboard to worship is anything that you can can use to allow you to worship God more fully. 
I believe that this is part of the reason why congregational worship is so special. We're doing it in unity together. So we use each other to worship God more. Allow yourself to worship God fully so others can see and glorify their Father in heaven. This is for your family. This is for your family. When we sing melodies together, especially in a cappella, our unity is emphasized. And when we sing harmonies, the beauty of our diversity is seen. It directly correlates and relates. That's one of the reasons I love harmony and music so much because it gives me a different angle of the redemptive power of the gospel of God as he continues to unite and reach all people, all nations, and all tongues. So we use each other as a springboard to worship. Use the music and the musicians as a springboard to worship. When we're singing songs of praise and you hear somebody do something really beautiful or when a spe- we do a special or a performance of some sort and you have the thought, wow, that was cool, don't let it stop there because that can be idolatry. And we don't deserve that praise and we don't want that praise. We want that to travel to God. So instead think, wow, that was so cool. Thank you, God, for my brother or sister and the talents and skills that you've given him or her. I worship, I I like to watch dance shows a lot. And that is actually um, a way that I worship because I see people doing things that I'll never be able to do and probably end up in the hospital if I tried. And I thank God and I say, wow, God, that's beautiful. Thank you for giving that brother, that sister, or, or that person in general, the skill to be able to do that, to be able to express themselves in that way. So use the music and the musicians as a springboard. Now, having said that, I want to be clear on two things with regard to using others as a springboard to worship or even being a springboard to worship. So the first thing is your job is not to judge others. Your job is not to judge others. Your job is to praise and trust the one responsible for judging others. Don't take God's job of judging hearts while you're supposed to be worshiping him. And don't think the worst about your brother or sister in Christ either. So believe the best about them, that their worship is genuine. And on the same token, when you may be afraid of what others may think of you, that's actually a form of not believing the best of them as well. Think about this train of thought for a minute. If I'm afraid to express myself physically in worship because of what my brother or sister over there or somewhere in this room um, may think, you're actually judging that person in that moment and assuming that they're going to judge you. You're actually believing the worst about them. Think about that. Believe the best about each other. Don't rob your brother or sister in Christ of something that you're afraid that same person might judge you for in seeing you express yourself to God. Your job is not to judge. Focus instead on your intentions and focus on your heart. Number two is we must have consideration for others in our physical expressiveness. We should not be concerned about what others will think of us in regard to our reputation, but we should be concerned about the interests of others, as Philippians 2.4 says. Bob Coughlin mentions that our highest priority when we gather completely church is not our own physical expressiveness, but the privilege of serving others. And I agree completely with that. I agree completely with that. So what do you do? Follow the example and the direction of those that lead us in song and in expressiveness. And don't just break into loud shouting or start running around the sanctuary or doing the Macarena just because you feel like it. Now, if that's your, if that's your preference, okay. Not necessarily the Macarena part. But if that's your preference, that's okay. Everybody worships in a different way. But as discussed before, sometimes we need to lay down our preferences for his people to the glory of his praise. 
And if you're concerned maybe about being too physically expressive, it's our job as leaders of ALCF to address that with you individually. And, and we can definitely do that. But I'm telling you right now, from growing up here at ALCF um, for 25 years, I don't think overexpressiveness is an issue here at ALCF. I think we can express ourselves more. So Abundant Life, I want you to know that you have permission from the God of the universe to shout shouts of praise. We realize it might not be the most comfortable thing for you to do, so we may give you a moment or an opportunity to do that, uh, maybe at the end of a song or during part of the service, um, or we may encourage you to express yourself physically in a certain way, and you never have to. You never have to. It's not to try to control you. It's to allow us to unify together for, for our Father and to allow you to feel the freedom that he can bring when we worship holistically. You have permission to kneel. You have permission to bow. You have permission to come to the altar, to raise your hands, to dance, to clap. And that permission does not come from me. It does not come from Shane. It comes from God. Again, if we're doing it with consideration. I love when I look out over the congregation or if I'm in the congregation and I look over and I see some of you worshiping with all you got. That helps me to worship more and makes me want to give God all I've got. I use you as a springboard to worship. I pray you do the same with me. And you know what I also think is the vulnerability that we show here on a Sunday morning as we praise God should also be present as we interact with each other. So we should be encouraging each other, spurring each other on, and praying for each other while here. Praying as we're praising or before or afterwards. And even on a Sunday morning, the same vulnerability that we show here, I believe should be present with others throughout the week. You know, God has been moving in my heart, and I notice that the more vulnerable I am with him, with my brothers and sisters in Christ on a Sunday morning, and with my family in Christ, the more I can be vulnerable with my friends who need Jesus. Ultimately, our worship is about something bigger than what it would seem. This is also for your friends. As we worship God, he creates a sense of of vulnerability and trust in him. We need to take that and to share that with our friends. So we worship God through song, with our minds, with our hearts, with our actions together. This is for your Father. If worship did nothing for us whatsoever, it would still be so worth it. If worship did nothing else but bring glory and honor to God, it would still be so worth it. It's for him first and foremost. This is for your family. We are the body of Christ. As we read in Romans 12, we are incomplete without each other, and we should bring everything we have here on Sundays for each other as well. And one more thing on this, in regard to our, our physical expressiveness in worship, our kids are watching us. They are watching. Do you ever see a little child raise their hands when they see us doing it? Is that not exciting and convicting? So the question is, will our children see us more pumped and excited to watch a sporting event or to worship our risen Savior? And do we want our kids seeing us half-heartedly worshiping God or giving it all that we've got and not only letting them see a lifestyle that worships God, but a heart that worships him as well? I praise God for a pastor and pastor wife that worship God with all they've got. And I'll tell you, I know they do this because their lifestyle sings the same tune that their heart does on Sunday mornings. I praise God for that. This is for your friends. We should allow God, again, to to create a deeper trust and dependence on him so we can be more vulnerable and open with others who need Jesus. And this is for your fuller freedom. We should bring everything we have and let God see us as we are. And the last thing I want to say is that the greatest act of worship ever, 
And the greatest example of somebody presenting themselves as a living sacrifice literally is Jesus. He offered his mind, his heart, and even his body to the point of death. Even the death on a cross. Look to him and let your head and your heart and your hands respond this morning and every day that you breathe. Because now, Jesus is crowned with the name above all names. And I'm so grateful for that. As the music team uh, comes up, would you all stand with me as we pray? And if you feel comfortable while we pray, I encourage you to lift your hands in whatever way you may feel led and open yourself up to receive whatever God may be saying to you um, as we pray and as as we sing as well. Father, we are so grateful. We thank you that we are, um, we are redeemed. We are redeemed children of God. And Jesus gave us the best, the absolute best performance we could ever ask for in the history of mankind. And we want to thank him and we want to praise him for that. We do not want to uh, suppress our thoughts, suppress our emotions, or suppress our physical responsiveness out of fear. And Lord, we want to be able to, um, we want to be able to worship you fully. This is for you. This is for our family. This is for our brothers and sisters in Christ. This is for our friends. And so we pray that you would allow us to do that. We love you so much. We thank you. Pray that you would receive the honor that you are able to fully. We know that we'll never even get close. That's probably why eternity lasts forever, because we'll never be able to fully express what you deserve. We love you, God. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.